You're listening to audio from Calvary Baptist Church of Port Austin. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about us, please visit cbcportaustin.org. As we start this morning, what I want to do is I want you to imagine tomorrow morning you go out to your mailbox or your P.O. box if you don't have a mailbox, and you go out and you check the mail and you look and you see a letter from a law firm and you say, it's got your name on it, so you're like, okay, I'll check it out. And you grab the letter, you open it up, you pull it out, and you start to read it, and the letter says that you have this distant relative that you didn't know about, and the the relative passed away, and they're going to leave you an inheritance of millions and millions of dollars, okay? So imagine you're reading this, okay? You just got the letter. Now, if you're like me, your first thought is, okay, this is a scam, right? I mean, that happens all the time, so... Not going to buy into it, not going to get my hopes up too high. But if you're also like me, there's a small part of you that says, that would be pretty cool. Maybe I should check this out, right? Um, maybe I should at least Google the law firm, right? See if they're real. And then if there's a number, I mean, what, what could it hurt to give them a quick call, right? Because even though you're, you're thinking it might be a scam, it's such a good offer that you have to check it out. And the resurrection is very similar to that in a lot of ways today, especially in our culture. It's to a lot of people at face value, it's just a scam. They hear about it and they think a guy died and and rose from the dead. That that doesn't happen, right? It's not like that happens every day. Like, oh yeah, yesterday this this neighbor of mine, you know, he died and, and got back up, right? That's not something that happens every day. So it does seem unlikely and it does seem a bit of a scam. But the resurrection, it it has so much to offer. I mean, it's such an incredible promise to consider that I don't know why or how anyone could not at least look into it. You know, not everybody here is going to believe it. Not everybody here is going to put their faith in Jesus. But I'll tell you, the the offer is so incredibly great that I don't know why. You wouldn't at least kind of open it, right? Take, Take that phone call, give them a call, right? Like just do a little bit of research and dive in because the offer is so great. I mean, every other religion offers some sort of afterlife for the most part, but most of them are immaterial, um, spiritual, kind of, kind of weird, um, floating around type things. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Christianity offers you a physical body in a renewed world made perfect by God, where you can walk with your loved ones and walk with God for all eternity on a new earth that he has created. I mean, that's incredible. Right? So, so people think of heaven a lot, and they think of clouds and harps and angels, but heaven is really this earth made perfect. Okay? So, so no rust, no curse, um, no annoying neighbors. Right? Like it's, a, it's a world that's perfect with a body that's perfect. Imagine doing what you love with a perfect mind and a perfect body. That's what the resurrection offers. So I don't know how you couldn't at least look into it. Some of you, I'm sure, here today are a little bit skeptical. Right? Just like I would be if I got that letter in the mail. But I'm telling you, it's such a good offer. We have to at least look into it. And that's what we're going to do today. So let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer and we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here today to celebrate the resurrection of your son, Jesus. Lord, I just pray that as we look at this text together, that you would just fill me with your spirit. I know if I try to do this in my own strength and power, it's going to fail miserably, Lord. And so I just ask that it would be you who's speaking through your word and that you'd help for me to be clear as I, as I present it, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you've never been with us before, I just want to kind of give you a heads up of what I normally preach like. So what I normally do is I'll take a text, like 1 Corinthians 15 is our text today, 
And what I'll, what I'll do is I'll just walk through it and explain the text and apply it. And the reason is because here at this church, we take a strong stand on the word of God. So, so for us, this is the word of God. And so I'm not going to get up here as a 27-year-old guy and try to pretend like I've got something to say, okay? Because the, the, the fact of the matter is I don't have much to say, and what I have to say isn't really worth much, but God has much to say, and, and this is his word. And so when we gather together as a church and we look into the sermon, what we're looking at is the word of God. We're not looking at Pastor Michael's thoughts, okay, because we'd be in trouble, right? We're looking at God's word. And so if you want to keep your Bible open there in 1 Corinthians 15, we're just going to walk through it together. I'm going to explain it and draw some applications, and uh, we'll be out of here. So I know it's Easter. I know you got a lot going on, so we'll try to keep it quick today. Um, to give you a little background of this passage, um, Paul is actually um, dealing with a church that was having questions about a physical resurrection. They were saying, how is that possible that someone could raise from the dead? And so a lot of times today you'll hear secular uh, people that are maybe very highly educated that will say, well, the resurrection took root early on because people in those days, man, they just, they weren't enlightened. They didn't have education. They believed whatever anybody told them. But here we have proof from a very early document that people were struggling with this. Right? Like, wait, you're telling me that, that after we die, we'll have a physical body. That was hard for them to wrap their minds around. So, so when you think of people back in Jesus' day, don't think of like cavemen who just take whatever people say. Like these were educated people that wanted facts. And so what Paul is going to do here is he's going to lay out some truths about the resurrection and apply it to our lives. And, and I want to point out three quick truths today. We're going to see the resurrection is essential. We're going to see that it's rational. And we're going to see that it's personal. So first, what I want you to notice is that the resurrection, oh, I'm already there. The resurrection is essential, all right? And so let's look at verse 1 and 2 together. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. So what Paul does here right away, I mean, he's, he's cutting right to it, getting right to the heart of the matter. And he's saying, I'm going to remind you of the gospel that I preached unto you because that gospel is the very truth that saves your soul. If you believed it. And he says, but if you believed in vain or it was just an empty belief or, or just an intellectual assent, then you're, you're not saved. But, but if you truly believe, then this gospel is what saves you. So it's absolutely essential that you understand the gospel. And then he goes on in verse 3. He says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And so what he's doing here is he's laying out the essence of what the gospel is. He says, look, I'm going to remind you of the gospel. The gospel is what saves you if you believe. And here's what the gospel is in case you forget or in case some of you are foggy on it. Let me remind you of the gospel. Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. That is the gospel. That's the essence of Christianity right there. So Paul is getting right to the heart of the matter, and he's saying the gospel is absolutely essential. This is what saves you. If you don't believe this, then you're not a Christian. And we have to understand that today. Some of you in here today may consider yourself a Christian, but, but here's a quick test to know whether or not you're a, a Christian by biblical standards, okay? You have to believe in what's called w, double imputation, okay? It's a, it's a big word, but just hear me out. In double imputation, your sins are imputed to Jesus, and he pays for them on the cross. 
and his good deeds, his righteousness is imputed to you. And you get to heaven, not on your own works, but on what Jesus accomplished for you. Okay? So if you're a Christian, then what you believe in, you believe that you're a sinner. So if you're here today and you're like, I'm not really a sinner, I'm not that bad of a person, then you're probably not a Christian, okay? Because you've got to start there. We're all sinners. We all fall short. And we believe that God in his love sent Jesus to come and to live the life that we could never live, to die on the cross and pay for our sins. He was buried and he rose again three days later. And all who receive him by faith, the Bible says he takes our sins and he gives us his righteousness. I love that. I mean, look, I am a preacher, and I try to be a good guy, and I try to be a good husband to my wife, but believe me, if you ask her, I'm not always a good husband to my wife. And I got some coworkers back there that would tell you I'm not always a good guy at work, right? And so no, none of us are good, even preachers who, who try to be good. We're never always good, and we'll never, ever be good enough to get to heaven. I'm not trusting in my works to get me to heaven. I'm trusting in what Jesus accomplished for me on the cross. And so what Paul is saying here, he's saying the resurrection, it's essential. If Jesus just died and he didn't get back up, then he's not who he said he was. He's not the savior of the world. How could you trust in someone who's dead and in the ground? And I remember hearing a story about a Muslim who converted to Christianity. And someone asked him, you know, why did you convert to Christianity? He said, it's kind of like this. I was at a fork in the road and I had the choice to take directions from a guy who was dead or take directions from a guy who was living. And he's like, I'll take the alive guy every time. And see, if you, if you were to go to any other religion in the world, most of them, their, their religious leaders, is dead and buried in the ground. But Jesus got back up. And that is the truth of Christianity. So we're going to look through this chapter because Paul is going to just hammer this over and over through the chapter. Look down at verse 14 in 1 Corinthians 15. He's going to give several reasons of how the resurrection is absolutely essential. So for, verse 14, he says this, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. He's saying, look, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then preaching is completely empty. It's a waste of time. So I'm up here making a fool of myself if Jesus is still in the ground. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, I preach all, all over the place. But I'm a fool and I'm preaching emptiness if Jesus is still in the ground. And also you're fools because you've put your faith in someone who's still dead and in the ground. And then he says, he takes it a step further and he said, in fact, we are false witnesses of God. We're lying about God because we're telling people that he raised Jesus from the dead. That's, that's pretty serious. So he's saying the resurrection is essential. Then look at verse 17. He says this, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain and ye are yet in your sins. So here Paul links Christ's resurrection to his saving work, saying he could not have saved you from your sins if he had not risen from the dead. You can't trust a Savior who died and was buried in the ground. You have to trust a living Savior. And then in verse 18 he says this, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. People who died trusting in Jesus, there's no hope for them. They're gone. They're perished. They're empty. It's, it's over. And then in verse 19, I love this because he kind of wraps it all up. And this is, this is us right here if Christ didn't rise. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Man, if Jesus died and he only offers life here right now, that's a pretty miserable existence. But thankfully, Jesus didn't stay in the ground. 
Jesus got back up. And, and he goes and he says this in verse 20. He says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Um, if there's any farmers in here, you know, when you're checking your crops and you're checking stuff out, the first fruits indicate that, that there's going to be more. And so what he's saying is Jesus rose first, being the first fruit, saying there's going to be more who are going to have a physical resurrection one day. And that's something we look forward to as Christians. And then in verse 21, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Here he's, he's, he's um, taking the first Adam and he's taking Jesus and he's comparing them. And he's saying the first Adam was given a choice. He chose sin. And when he chose sin, a curse was placed on this earth. And all who were born up from that point, they were born into sin. And I say this all the time, but look, my parents never had to take me, and they never had to sit me down and say, okay, son, look, you're outnumbered, okay? You've got three sisters, it's bad, okay? So we're going to teach you how to fight them. We're going to teach you how to, how to attack them, sneak attack, right? I mean, we're going to teach you how to disobey us. We're going to teach you how to get in trouble at school. They didn't have to teach me that stuff. That just came natural, right? Like, nobody had to teach me how to beat up my sisters, man. I, I just, I don't know where that came from. It just came natural. And the reason is we know that when Adam sinned, Every person from that point was born into sin. That's why it says, as in Adam, all die. And you know that just by looking at your own life. I mean, I mean, we can't even keep our own standards, right? Let alone God's. We know that by watching the news. This world is broken. There's, uh, there's something bad wrong with this world. And that's exactly what the scriptures say. And that's exactly why Jesus had to come. As in Adam, all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. He's saying those who trust Christ are made alive spiritually and one day they can look forward to a physical resurrection. Now we could, could spend a lot of time here talking about the essential truth of the resurrection. I mean, it validates the scriptures because long ago in the Old Testament, the Jews wrote down there would be a Messiah who would die and rise again. It's prophesied. It validates Jesus. There were several other Messiahs who came before Jesus who claimed to be a Messiah and they all died, and they were all buried, and the movement never started because they never got back up. And so if Jesus is over here saying, hey, guys, by the way, I'm God, all right, keep that in mind, and then he dies and he doesn't get back up, nobody's going to believe that he's God. So it validates the scriptures, it validates Jesus, and it accomplishes our justification. So, so we can wrap all of this up by saying, why is the resurrection essential? Verse 19, if, it, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men most miserable. It's absolutely essential that you understand the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was buried, and three days later, he physically got back up and walked around. All right, you've got to understand that that is the truth that saves your soul. So first of all, it's essential, but not only that, the resurrection of Jesus is rational. Now, I have to be careful at this point, because I wrote a paper on this for my master's degree on the, the physical are the historical facts of the physical resurrection. And um, Quinn knows my coworker back there. I'm all, I was talking with him for a long time about this because I was so excited about it. So I gotta be careful here. Um, one of the things they told us when they were training us to go into ministry, and if you're wondering, yes, pastors do get trained to go into ministry. I know it doesn't seem like it. And if you're like, well, what's that like? Just think Return of the Jedi and you'll be close, okay? <laughs> Similar to that, okay? No, but when we were being trained, they said, be careful on Easter not to become some pseudo-resurrection apologist, okay? Don't feel like you've got to defend the resurrection on Easter because Easter we get a lot of visitors sometimes. 
Um, so, so normally on Easter, you, as a preacher, you want to say, you've got to believe the resurrection. So you're given all these facts. And so I don't want to waste a lot of time on that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a few facts. And then I'm going to send you, if you're interested, go study it. Because the facts are incredible that back up this, this claim that the resurrection is rational. It's not something that you just have to believe um, randomly and jump out into the dark and say, I know this has never happened ever, but I'm just going just gonna to believe it. No, there's a lot of facts that back it up. And so let's look at verse 3 again. And Paul says this, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, this is some really cool evidence right here, because even if you don't accept this as Scripture, all scholars across the board, I'm talking about non-Christian and Christian scholars across the board, recognize this as an actual historical document written by a man named Paul. They all agree to that, and they date this around 20 years after the alleged resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so this is a very, very early historical document. Even if it's not Bible in your eyes, it's a historical document that is, is evidence of some things. And here's what it says. It says, within 20 years from the resurrection, G this guy Paul was already telling people that Jesus had risen. And not only that, if you read it, he says this, I'm reminding you of what I told you earlier. So, so apparently he had told them the gospel before this, and now he's reminding them. And not only that, he says, I delivered to you what I received. And so at some point in Paul's life, he received it. Then he delivered it to them. And then later he writes this letter to remind them. So this dates the resurrection claim that Christians make very early on in Christianity. And this is where it gets really cool. If you look at this in the Greek, all right? Now some of you are like, oh, okay, going to sleep, right? Like, I, I don't want to hear technical stuff. But, but this is cool. Listen, in the Greek, when you look at this, scholars have pointed out that this looks like a creed. Of Christianity. If you're wondering, what is a creed? It was a, a set of sentences that people would memorize and they would use to pass down important information. So if you're like, I still don't get what that is. Let me help you out. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay, you know that? The ABCs, now I know my ABCs. That would be like a modern day creed that all of, we, all of us memorize. Like who came up with that LMNOP, right? Like it's kind of cool, but it, it keeps you and helps you remember. That's what Christians were doing very early on. And so they look at this and it looks like Paul is quoting a creed from like right away in Christianity. So right when Jesus had risen, people were claiming right away that, that he truly was alive. Now this is important because people will tell you the resurrection of Jesus, that was never a truth in Christianity until years later. It's some legend that developed over time that they, they made up for power and for fame. But this is a historical document saying, no, 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 you can date this claim very early on. In Christianity and and so that makes you think well if Christians were hated I mean for years and years and years you got to understand Christians were hated they were burned to death they were killed they were thrown to wild beasts they were hiding underground to worship like Christianity today is not like it was back then and so so they were absolutely hated why would they say something that, that wasn't true if they were being burnt to death for it and killed and beaten and fed to wild beasts why would they say that Apparently, they really saw Jesus rise from the dead. And on top of that, if the Jews wanted to, to stamp out this little religion called Christianity, all they had to do was produce a body, right? Like, just, just put Jesus, his dead body, in the streets. Christianity is done, right there. 
Now, some people say, well, I think the disciples stole the body. But if you look at history, they had a Roman guard guarding the tomb. Okay, And these, these disciples, when Jesus got arrested, they all ran away. They were all scared to death. So suddenly, in a matter of three days, these, these disciples build this courage um, to become SWAT Team 6 and take on the Romans and steal a body and then hide it somewhere and then claim that he arose. Okay, And then all ten of them died violent death, saying, we saw Jesus. I mean, if you study it, it, it it's incredible. And so what, that's what we're going to get to next in the, the um, eyewitnesses. In verse 5, it says this, And that he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve, that's the twelve disciples, after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once. Okay, we're in verse 6 in our text. So Paul's saying there was over five hundred people that saw Jesus get back up. And then he makes this claim, um, of whom the greater part remain under this present. He's saying most of them are still alive. So if you don't trust me, hop on over to Jerusalem and check it out yourself. Okay, how could a guy who, who traveled and started numerous churches make claims that Jesus had gotten back up and, and said, if you don't believe me, go check the 500 eyewitnesses. How could he make that claim if it weren't true early on in Christianity? And then he says this, after that, you have seen of James, then of the apostles. So he's laying out, again, some eyewitnesses to this because he knows this is tough to believe. But it's rational. And there were eyewitnesses. And I know it's crazy, but if you don't believe me, go to Jerusalem and check for yourself. And then Peter and James, who he mentions, Peter, just so you know, Peter, he was, he was arrested by the Romans. And they were going to crucify him to make fun of him because he was a Christian. And historical records tell us that Peter was so in awe of Jesus that he said, I am not even worthy to be crucified like my Savior. Crucify me upside down. And historical records tell us that the Romans literally put Peter upside down and crucified him. This is a guy who said, I saw Jesus die. And three days later, I ate breakfast with him on the beach. I saw him get back up. And you can kill me. I'm not going to recant that. I saw it with my own eyes. James, he was the Lord's brother. Now, we've got a few um, siblings in here. How hard would it be, siblings, to convince your sibling that you were God? Okay? Right? That's pretty tough. And James didn't believe it until later he got back up from the grave. Then he's like, oh, I guess Jesus was God. Man, I was wrong all along. Okay? And then they tried to take James to the Temple Mount, and they said, recant your faith. Tell us Jesus didn't rise. And he said, I can't. I saw him die. I saw him get back up. They pushed him off the Temple Mount. He broke both of his legs, and then someone came and finished him off with a club. And we don't have time to go through all the different guys that said, we saw him die. We saw him get back up. You can kill us, but we're not going to back down on that. We saw it. And what's incredible about that is that when you look at today, you've got terrorists that are blowing themselves up and, and flying planes into buildings over something they believe. But that's something that was passed down for generations. So they're dying for something that they don't really know is true. They're just putting faith in it. So if I die for Jesus today, I'm just putting faith in it that it's true. But these guys, you've got to get this, they either saw him get back up or they didn't. They knew it was a lie, if it was a lie. And all of them were, were violently persecuted and killed, saying, yes, we saw him get back up. So that's some facts. You can take that. You can run with it. You can go study it yourself. If you want books, I'll give you some books. But know that not only is the resurrection essential, it's also rational. But lastly, the resurrection of Jesus is personal. It's personal. Look at verse 8. Paul says this, And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time.
For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He's saying, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because I used to kill Christians. And we'll get to that in a second. In verse 10, he says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So what's Paul saying here? He's saying he, he appeared to all of them, but then he appeared to me. And I'm not even worthy to be a Christian today. I'm not even worthy to be an apostle today. But he appeared to me and he saved me. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's almost like Paul is saying, look, you've got to understand this. Yes, the resurrection is essential. Yes, it's rational. There's eyewitnesses. There's evidence. There's facts. But most remarkably of all of that is that it's very, very personal. And the resurrection changed Paul's life. He used to travel to different towns and he would gather up Christians. He was one of the guys that would gather them up. He would drag them through the streets. He would kill them. He would stone them to death. He would imprison them. He hated Christianity. But when, when he encountered the resurrected Jesus, it changed his life forever. And, and there are people who say that, that Paul made more of a difference from a physical standpoint in Christianity than even Jesus himself. Now, obviously, our, our religion is all completely around Jesus, but that's how incredibly convinced that Paul was. He traveled everywhere. He started churches. We are here today because Paul reached out to the Gentiles. Okay? Uh, I don't think there's a lot of Jews in here today. Um, Paul was the one that reached out to the Gentiles and started spreading Christianity among us. So, so we can kind of trace our faith back to Paul being willing to, to put his life on the line for what he believed because the resurrection wasn't just a, a fact for him in his theology book. The resurrection was intensely personal. And man, if we had time today, I'm sure we could go around the room. I could see some of you here. You could tell story after story of how Jesus has changed your life. You could talk about what, what you used to live like, what you used to act like, how, how you used to be, and now the hope that you have, the joy that you have, the peace that you have because of Jesus. And I, I could tell you stories myself. I can echo what Paul said when he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He's saying that's God's grace. And I can tell you today, it's God's grace that I'm up here preaching, okay? If you were to ask my parents um, if, when I was a senior in high school that he was going to be a pastor in Port Austin, they probably would have laughed a little bit, right? Like, it's not me. It's not who I am that makes me a preacher. It's the grace of God in my life. He's changed my life, and I'm so excited about it that I'm here proclaiming it to you. And I want to share it with everyone because Jesus and his resurrection is not just a fact that you put in a book. It's a very personal matter that has changed my life. And, and I wish I could tell you the story of, of how God has changed my life and give you my testimony. But, but understand that I realized at some point that I was a sinner. I was separated from God because of my sin. And my, my dad took a Bible and he showed me how Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for my sins. And he said, all who receive him by faith. Jesus will take your sin and he'll give you his righteousness. And you can go to heaven one day, not because of who you are, not because you go to church, not because you give money in a play, not because you wear a suit to church. It's not, it's not about that. It's about the fact that Jesus has forgiven me of all my sins. And he's accredited me with his righteousness. And when I stand before God one day, I stand with the righteousness of Christ. And I can say with Paul, by the grace of God, I am what I am.
And so while, the, while I'm glad today that the resurrection is essential and rational, what's most remarkable in my life is the fact that it's very personal. And I know for a lot of you, it's very personal with you. The resurrected Jesus has completely transformed your life. Man, I'll never forget the time I was in Jerusalem and I got to visit the empty tomb. It was in a garden outside of Jerusalem. And when I gathered there to see the tomb where they had laid Jesus, there were people from all over the world there. I mean, people from all different backgrounds, people with all different languages. And a group of us that were there decided to start singing hymns to Jesus. And I'll never forget this. We started singing and it just broke out all around the garden, all around this tomb. People from all over the world in all different languages singing praises to Jesus. Because the resurrection of Jesus is not just a fact in a history book. It's very, very personal. And he will transform your life if you'll give him your life. I will never forget that moment looking into that empty tomb and realizing that I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. That, that's the Savior that we are here to celebrate. That's the, the truth that we are here to realize. And, and, and I'm so excited that he didn't stay in the grave. That's why we're here to celebrate. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Jesus is alive. He's conquered death. He's conquered hell. He's conquered the grave. And he's offering you the free gift of eternal life if you'll give your life to him today. That is the hope that we have because of the resurrection of Jesus. And so as we wrap this up today, some of you have never heard this before. And uh, it may be kind of like that letter in the mail, right? Where you get this, this letter that says you've got this relative and you're a little bit skeptical. You're not sure if you believe. Can I challenge you to check it out? The offer's too good not to check it out. Take the time. Read the facts. Look into it. Ask the Lord to help you. But check it out. Some of you have heard this over and over and over. You know the story. You could have quoted the story that Josh read earlier about Jesus rising, but you know it's essential, you know it's rational, you've heard the facts, but you've never made it personal. Can I challenge you today to make the resurrection personal in your life? Today, if you will come to Jesus, the Bible says that he will forgive you of all of your sins, and he will give you a new heart, and he'll transform your life, and you can have the hope of eternal life with him in heaven one day if you'll trust in Jesus alone. So I want to challenge you, give your life to Jesus today. As we close today, I want to read verses 3 through 4 one more time. He says this, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this time gathered around your word and the truths and the hopes that the resurrection brings. And Lord, I just pray that during this time of invitation as Josh begins to play, that if there's someone here who hasn't trusted you, that today they would. No better day than today to realize that Jesus is alive and we can trust him with our lives and with our eternities. 
So God, I just pray that if there's anyone here that you would draw them to yourself at this time. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.